Hello, Jeffrey. Hey, Dor. How you doing? How am I doing? Depends on the context, Jeff. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. Uh, Depends on the context. It's all about the context these days. Uh, we're recording on Sunday. When were those ladies on their trial? I don't know. On their trial? I don't know. One's already gone. The the lady from Penn. Yeah, I know. It wasn't gone. a trial. I guess it was a trial. It was a hearing. Right. But it's an interesting thing, Jeff. You know, I'm thinking to myself, maybe every time someone asks me a question... I should just say, well, it depends on the context. And that's how I can get away from any any conversation or having to say anything in the world. I just say, well, it depends on the context. Oh, you know what? Hey, Dor, ask me why I couldn't come to your wedding. <laughs> Jeff, why couldn't you come to my wedding? It depends on the context, Dor. My name's Jeff. I'm calling in from California. My name's Dor, and I'm joining you from London. Out of 16 million, we are two. Two freaked out Jews. Listen, so today we're having a guest, our first guest on the show, a friend of mine, a guy I know named Isaac DeCastro. He's super interesting. I'm really looking forward to you, for you to meet him. Looking forward to meet him too. I'm going to patch him in, okay? Sounds good. Isaac, are you there? I'm here. Hi. How are you? Great. Thank you for having me. Honored to be to be a guest on this new show. Nice to meet you, Isaac. Nice to meet you, Dor. Isaac, how do we, how do we even know each other? It's like, what is it? What happened? Probably social media. Such a modern way, modern way of meeting people. I feel like there's so many people in my life that are from online at this point. But you know what's even more modern is you two meeting on a podcast. So true. So true. But anyway, Isaac, I've always found you to be a fascinating character and I have a lot of questions for you. I know you work for Tablet Magazine, which is a huge Jewish news and culture online magazine. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Give us your bio. Sure. Uh, so I began in the Jewish world kind of towards my end of my college career when I was at Cornell and I was feeling a lot of anti-Semitism around me and I went and started yelling online um, and found a community that way. Um, I eventually did Jewish on campus um, and, you know, that grew into a thing and then New Zionist Congress and eventually I kind of landed at Tablet. Um, I wasn't expecting to get into journalism. I studied architecture. Um, but at the end, it was like a good fit for me. And uh, they adopted me. So I'm there. <laughs> um, and I continue to yell online, uh, which is, you know, the best. How old are you, uh, Isaac? I'm 26. You're Gen Z, huh? I'm, I'm like on the Gen Z millennial cusp. So I feel like I, I under, I'm, I'm a great translator for, for both generations. It's like you have a foot in each door. And speaking of that, I know from what you write online, you're you're both Ashkenazi and Sephardic. So you kind of have a foot in each of those doors. Yeah, for sure. Um, my mom's Ashkenazi and my dad's Sephardic. And I kind of grew up in a very much like mishmashed um, home where both of those cultures were like very much prevalent. Um, so... You know, I try to like give balance and give context to the to to both sides, um, if that makes sense. I feel like there's there's tension which is fading um, as more and more people are mixed, and I'm very passionate about both. So it's uh, you know, like love Ashkenazi culture, love Sephardic culture. Um, but do you eat hummus on Pesach? That's what I want to know. Yeah, schmaltzy hummus. Great. Just just checking. Just checking. <laughs> I don't for know sure. if I can survive. If I, I, I go to Israel normally for Passover, and I'm like, I have to have hummus. No, we need to change this law. 
doesn't work because I'm Ashkenazi, but we need to do something about this. Right. Yeah. Um, that's a whole thing because like my mom doesn't eat rice and my brother-in-laws exactly. were fully Sephardic do. Um, so there's definitely tension there. We need to live. We need to leave some kind of conflict, right? Otherwise, the world is boring. We need to leave some kind of. And if it's rice that we're arguing, we're in a good place. Yeah, I agree. I think we also need material for our jokes. So, like, what else are we gonna do if we're not gonna joke about rice on on Passover? Even though, like, I do think those jokes are kind of trite, and we need to like find some new material. Uh, like, I'm glad it's there. I'm glad that we have something to to laugh about for sure. I. I ha- all right, this is kind of gross. I don't, I, might, I don't even know if I should bring it up. I know Dora's already thinking not to, to say what I'm about to say. He doesn't know what I'm going to say, but he will tell me not to say this. <laughs> I have this, like, weird thing on my nipple. God damn it. Like, it's on the areola. On the outside of my areola is, like, a, it's not another nipple, but it's, like, it looks like a little piece of my nipple escaped my nipple and, like, but it's, like, a little island off of my nipple. And I and a very um, Mizrahi, like, soldier in the army looked at it and he goes what an ashkenazi thing (laughs) (laughs) is that an ashkenazi thing like do we have studies on this is it like uh i don't even know what the context of that is like stomach (laughs) i think he was saying that we're like inbred or something i don't know i don't know listen listen they love like sephardic and mizrahi people and i support them in this because i think we just need to like bully each other um but like Sephardic and Mizrahi people are also inbred and also have stomach problems, and that's like what people don't like want I you to like know. I feel like we should explain to our non-Jewish listeners what even Ashkenazi and Sephardic is in like a very brief way. Is that on me? Am, am I explaining? You're the expert, Isaac. <laughs> I'm the I'm literally a PhD in in Ashkenazi Sephardic relations, so I'll explain. Sephardic and Mizrahi, which like often have a lot of overlap, are Jews coming from Spain and then being sparsed out into. Europe or the Middle East and Ashkenazi are the ones who were mostly in Eastern Europe and both of these have like different customs, different foods and are, you know, subgroups of the same religion and ethnicity. I hope that's like a concise a concise answer. So so it's like the Jews who were exiled from by the Romans from Israel yeah. dispersed to different spots. Sephardic dispersed to Spain and parts of North Africa and uh and Ashkenazi dispersed to Eastern Europe, exactly. Russia, Ukraine. Yeah. Basically, it depends by who you were persecuted from and which country you were kicked out from. That's literally the, the situation. <laughs> and Isaac, your last name is De Castro, which I, is that a Jewish name? Like, where did you get that? It is a Jewish name. Uh, if you look it up, the De Castro family is a Sephardic last name. My family, um, on my grandfather's side, is from Spain, and then they were in Curacao uh, for many, many years, and then went to Panama. And uh, and you were were you born in Panama? I was born in Miami, but I grew up in Panama my entire life. My family has been there since literally before uh, Panama was Panama, since it was like part of Colombia. So I'm like fifth generation, uh, pretty old, old Panamanian Jew. Um, That's pretty cool. You're lucky. It's a fun history. More yeah, fun like the inbred nipple island. Polish. Well, listen, see, see, this is the thing. Like, yeah, these Jews in, like, Curacao and, like, Virgin Islands and, like, Jamaica and all these places, like, the Spanish and Portuguese Jews, like, they were inbreeding, too. Like, they, like, if I go back in my family tree, they were all marrying their cousins because, like, there was, like, seven Jews there and they were only marrying Jews. Um, so when people say, like, Ashkenazi are the inbred ones, I'm like, I'm going to keep quiet here because I'm probably more inbred than you um, on both sides. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how we got to inbreeding, Jeff. You see what happens when you bring up your nipple? 
Start talking about inbreeding. I think inbreeding is is inbreeding is a very Jewish thing to talk about and very important. <laughs> uh. <laughs> that's all interesting stuff. And then so uh, that's interesting that you went to Cornell, and Cornell has been in the news a lot of a lot of anti-Semitism in Cornell lately. <laughs> yeah, like I told you so. That's that's my message to everyone. Um, even though I'm kidding, I'm glad people are waking up to it. I think you know the university issue has been getting more and more press, especially now with uh, the university pres- presidents testifying in Congress. And uh, I'm not necessarily on the beat. I haven't been on campus in a while, right? But I'm definitely you know keeping in tune and watching. I'm sure it's like much worse than when I was there, which is pretty worrying. Did you have a strong Jewish identity before facing anti-Semitism in Cornell? Definitely, yes, but it was more of, like, a given identity than one that I was opting into. I grew up Orthodox. I grew up in a very, you know, tight-knit community in Panama. Um, Went to Jewish day school my whole life, or mostly my whole life. Uh, You know, I was Shomer Shabbat, Shomer Kashrut, all these things. And then I was opened up to, like, the world of Ivy League upstate New York architecture program in which I was one of the only Jews in most of my friends weren't Jewish, and I was fine with that for a while until, you know, kind of was getting these outside pressure and all these, like, hints in classrooms, hints from my friends, and I was like, what's going on? Um, and eventually, it, you know, met a boiling point, at least for me, um, where I was like, I'm going uber-Zionist, and I need to start yelling online because <laughs> I need to <laughs> take the heat off. Did that help you socially? Absolutely not. I feel like I've um, lost most of my friends from that era. Not all. There's some, you know, righteous Gentiles for sure. But I feel like it's become such a hot issue. And I feel like, especially within humanities and, you know, the classes that we were all taking, they were definitely pushed on one side. Um, And I think that at this point, there's like many views that I won't tolerate, many views that they won't tolerate. And we just like, there's no middle ground in the Venn diagram for a lot of people that I was friends with in college. Um, and you know what? That's fine. Like, I don't need a lot of those people in my life. Um, and they drop like flies every time, you know, another war breaks out. Um, and I think it's become a common theme for many people, many other Jewish people that I know. Uh, thankfully for me, I think I lost most people in May of 2021. So, you know, it hasn't been that hard this time around. Um, but... It's definitely an interesting experience. When you say you lost them, did they come? See, I've got people that literally come and blame me for the situation. And some people just post randomly and you're like, oh, God, here we go again. But they don't direct it necessarily at me. So what kind of have you had both sides? I've had both. I've had people, you know, who I've, you know, been friends with, like shared meals with and all these things just like unfollow me. On, on Instagram or block me mm-hmm. after, you know, I start posting or sometimes I see them post like really or like hateful things and I'm like, well, like, you know, there are things that I can tolerate, but I'm not just like if you're celebrating on October 8th, I think that's the, the end of our relationship. Um, yeah. I think there's been people who, you know, I try to keep an open mind and then, you know, I see them liking Rothschild conspiracy theories and I'm like, you just like want to hate Jews. And at this point, I feel like I'm going to lean more to the Jewish community 
and keep people around who are not as susceptible to these things. But I think it's it's a mix. I think, you know, I've gone out of my way to block people. People have gone out of their way to block me. I'm not saying that everyone should be doing this. This is not me condoning. But I think, you know, everyone's allowed to have lines and draw them and, you know, choose the people they want in their life. Like at certain points, I'm like, I haven't talked to this person in two years. And they're out here posting like the most anti-Semitic things I've ever seen. Like, why do I need them in my life? Why do I need to see this? Huh. All right, uh, Isaac, let's take a second here. So Dor and I usually have a question that we came up with beforehand. And I think now would be a good time. I think we got to know you a little bit for one of those questions. I'm ready. Dor, do you have a question? Yeah, I can go. Um, so my question is uh, it's quite a generic question, but I think we, we need to discuss it. Um, basically, this week... We saw um, presidents of uh, universities commenting on the context of genocide. And my question was, obviously, we're, we're seeing anti-Semitism coming a lot from the left, um, from progressive circles. So I wanted to throw the question out there. Um, and it's a very big one. Why is anti-Semitism coming from the left? I mean, anti-Semitism is coming from the left because anti-Semitism is a societal issue and doesn't, you know, depend on the right or the left. I think a lot of people are confused and think that, you know, left equals good and right equals bad. And it's obviously more complicated than that just because, you know, the left purports to, you know, believe in social justice and quote unquote progressive ideas does not mean uh, that it won't be anti-Semitic. I mean, history just proves the complete opposite in which anti-Semitism disguises itself as a progressive issue each time around, um, whether it's you know progressing society through abolishing the Jewish religion or the Jewish ethnicity, um, and at this point, you know Israel um, as the last bastion of you know settler colonialism and genocide and everything you want to throw at it. Um, which is every bad word. Yeah, every bad word, which is just a means of scapegoating. Um, Hold on, Isaac. Before you keep plowing forward, I want to I want to like uh, needle in on something you just said. So, anti-Semitism in the past has disguised itself as a progressive issue. Uh, I'm the thing that came to my mind was like when Nazism rose, it was it was socialism to begin with. It was National Socialism, German Workers Party. That sounds pretty left wing to me. It sounds like the DSA like of of its time. Is that like can you, do you know more examples of that, or is that what you're talking about? That's absolutely what I'm talking about. I mean, I mean, people forget <laughs> the socialism aspect of uh, the Nazi party because they want to. Everyone just, got a car. They just they just want to throw throw around. <laughs> Everyone gets a car. You get a car. You get a car. That was a, that was a that was a real thing. Everyone was meant to get a car. You can put money in um, to get a car. Unfortunately, that uh, policy um, didn't uh, did not go so well because the war started. So all your money went to building tanks and no one got a car but that's where the volkswagen comes from it's the people's car yeah all right back to your thread sorry i needled in there yeah no totally i'm happy to to talk more about it i mean look at the you know the ussr um where they were like religion is bad all religion is bad and ended up you know sending everyone to the gulag and oppressing jews completely right. in the guise of like progressive and even if you go back in history of you know, the Inquisition, like, that was also, like, a progressive idea in which, you know, progress of society was the universalism of um, Christianity. And, and Judaism 
like abolishing Judaism and you know converting all the Jews was seen yeah. as this progressive idea of progressing society. Like all of these things um, have the same the same pattern. Um, Rabbi Sachs talks about this more, and many other people, Barry Weiss or whoever, uh, talk about this more eloquently than I do. Um, but it's certainly a pattern, um, and it's. I wonder. I wonder if those. Uh... I wonder, and, and I know the answer is yes, is, is were these uh, quote-unquote progressives of the past as self-righteous as the current ones? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> and let's be, let's put a caveat here. There's a lot of anti-Semitism on the right, right? They're just more open about it. We hate everyone. If you're not me, I hate you. They're just quite open about it. I think the problem with the left is that it's more hidden. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm not anti-Semitic. I can't. Like, we had uh, Jeremy Corbyn, uh, leader of the Labour Party in England. Um, thankfully, he's not there anymore. But he, he said, you know, how can I be anti-Semitic? I'm against all racism. That's, I'm progressive. I'm left-wing. And I think that's what people struggle to understand. Where, why is this? Um, why is this ideology that should be on the side of minorities, um, should be on the side of, um, you know, Zionism is technically uh, um, an ethnic group returning to the, you know, um, homeland. It's an indigenous movement, if you think about it. Yet it has been perverted into sort of the colonialist kind of, and Jews are sort of, while they're a minority, they're not exactly. Again, if we dissect a little bit about um, sort of the left-wing ideology on this, um, it sort of has, in, in the modern sense, it has a hierarchy of, you know, victimhood who's the most victim so to speak and and here we see jews who and here i you know you have to be anti-semitic to make sure that jews are not the victims well jews can't be victims because they they're white and it leads into our discussion of sephardi and mizrahi and everything but they label jews as white they label jews as um well yeah yeah. whatever whatever the negative thing to be in your grouping that's what jews are so to the left jews are white because white is unfavorable and to the right jews are not white because being not white is unfavorable no i agree um i think it's it's all about scapegoating um i think it was ruth weiss that said that um paraphrasing obviously that jews are the perfect scapegoat and that this is why it happens all the time because we're small enough that we can't necessarily like dispel those narratives easily, but uh, notable enough uh, that people know who the Jewish people are. Um, so kind of coming to the root of this pattern of just Jews being blamed for anything negative in society at, at the time. And obviously anti-Semitism is about larger society um, and not actually about any reality of who Jews are. It's just about perception but i think you're right i think jews are because obviously there's anti-semitism from the right and the left so from from the right you're like oh these people are vermin they're polluting our blood disgusting people and and uh, also um you know they brought communism to us they bring socialism they invented it they're ruining our our country and then from the left they're like well jews are capitalists they control the media they control everything so either way as you said, Jews were created to be the perfect scapegoat. No matter where you come from, you can, no matter which political spectrum you come from, you can say Jews. 
Isaac, were you ever faced with anti-Semitism straight up, hardcore anti-Semitism at Cornell? I mean, yeah, I think I'm going to go on the ledge and say that anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism, um, and I was faced with quite a bit of it. Um, I had a friend at one point who was like, the Jews control Cornell, didn't you see like the <laughs> like the pro-Israel protests like a few years ago, not knowing that I was Jewish at that point, because I was not very uh, necessarily outspoken about it. Um what else? Well, you have a non-traditional last name, and like to to the landmark. Exactly. I say I'm from. You're I, like not Jewish presenting. Yeah, I say I'm from Panama, and people are like, "Oh, okay, that makes sense." <laughs> like, oh, uh, oh, you're from Panama? Jews run this place. Jews run this place. Yeah, I feel like I was privy to a lot of conversations, and then I was like, "Hey, I am a Jew and a hardcore Zionist. What's up?" And then they all blocked me on Instagram. In the end, um, <laughs> like, but yeah, I mean, all of my classes had like some unit that was like. Israel is colonialist and I was like dude I just like want to learn how to make a building like I don't know what we're talking about here um but I think it's definitely like a pattern I I know we saw like Russell Rickford um who was this Cornell professor um at the beginning of the war who said he was exhilarated by the October 7th attacks um and I think that is a sentiment um or at least these this like anti-colonial ideology that's like taken over a lot of the classrooms nowadays which we aren't necessarily seeing and recording but which i was sitting through a lot and i think more and more i was like there's there's something going on here um but it was definitely pervasive and it was definitely like intense i mean i was in architecture school listening about anti-zionism like so many classes i was taking it made no sense to me why 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 would this was being brought up in classes for architecture? It made no sense. I mean, that, that that is shocking. That is shocking itself. But it's, again, it's, I think we need to go back and, and again, expand on why this is happening. And it's, it's happening as well because, you know, and I went to a talk and somebody described it, described it as campism. You, you pick your camp, basically. You're in the, in the, the Western camp or the, anti-west and that's how you see the world that's how that's your your basically your view on the world and everything must fit that view yeah it's so limiting um and i think that's kind of what's what's become when you only see things through one like it's a lens for sure like you can see things from like oppressor oppressed lens but if you fail to like look at any other perspective you're not seeing the full picture i mean like just going back to architecture school like it's it's ridiculous because um, you know, you can't just build a house of like a plan. Like you need like sections. You need like side views. You need like pers- like different drawings to know how to build a, like a house. Um, so like if you're just looking at things through one lens, like you're creating so so many blind spots. Right. Um, so it's and I yeah everything being flattened to that is crazy and scary. And I think that's what's happening now. Everything needs to be seen through that lens. Um, and that's where the anti-Semitism is come from, coming from, mostly, in my opinion. And I think the, that's generally all of society. Everyone is, you know, locking into their, into their ex- sort of extreme view or one view on this um, completely. And I think that's kind of the... That's where, that, that, as you said, that's where the issue... I mean, we saw this in the Ukraine-Russia war, that we had people on the left in the UK 
that's sort of like, well, I know Russia invaded Ukraine, but I'm kind of anti-West and anti-American. So how do I manipulate this to kind of fit my narrative? Well, I'll like I'll blame NATO for pushing. No, that but this is this is this is what's happening today. We have to accept it. I love watching those. I love watching people like that just like scratch their heads but this is, in confusion. But this is exactly what's happening in Israel. They're like, okay, hold on. How do we? Normally, we support an indigenous movement. Normally, we support minorities. Oh crap! But then, you know, how do how do we frame Israel in this scenario? How do we frame Jews? Well, then we have to go back and say, well, they're they're a colony. We have to say that they're they're not oppressed. They're not a minority because they are referred to Israel as a white colonial state, even though most of the people there are not white. But you have to frame it like that in order to fit your initial. Lens, and I think Isaac is right. This is one of the issues in society that we don't. It's also why it's also why people were tearing down the signs because it because seeing kidnapped civilians doesn't fit into the oppressor oppressed narrative. It's like it confused them so much. I just have to rip it down off this post because it's confusing me. Yeah, like, exactly. You so, can't see. You can... It's so primitive watching people <laughs> pull those signs down. It's like it's like I must pull this down because I can't compute. You idiots. But that, that's the reality, right? That you, you, and as Isaac said, you have to have more of a perspective. You can see, hold on, I know that there's um, Western support here, but let's look at Israel as, yes, an indigenous movement. Yes, Jews, um, you know, I've been told for many years that Jews are all-powerful, knowledgeable, this, but maybe that's the issue. <laughs> this is why I'm seeing them as Israel, as the, as the bad side, because of the inherent perspective that i'm that i'm putting on this and as soon as you start seeing the inherent perspective then maybe we can open it up and i think that's i mean it's 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 a big problem and i think the world is only getting one one, like one lens view and that's the issue really yeah i think it's just so limited because even if you zoom out just a little you'll see that like Jews are the minority in the region and in the world when there's like how many billions of Muslims and 15 million Jews in the world nine like how many seven million in Israel um, so it's it's ridiculous I, I even like looking at the framing of like trying to flame Israel as like this anti-colonial thing it's just like I don't know democracy is good the west is good like sue me <laughs> I'm just sorry we won the wars Israel is there um we're not going to disappear and I don't know people are just going to have to deal with it I think um if we bring it back to sort of the diaspora that that's why we I think a lot of Jews are shocked and saying hold on we're we're a minority in these countries you know we need support now I think the lesson is we need to help ourselves. Like, we need to continue the spirit of Zionism, like, defend ourselves, like, join in community um, instead of, like, depending on the world to to defend us. Like, I think that's the great thing now. Like, we don't need to convince you. Like, we're going to continue existing. We're going to continue defending ourselves. And, yes, it's great to have allies. Like, the information war, the social media war, all these things are important. But we're not hinged on them. Like, thank God, Baruch Hashem. Like, I don't want to depend on the non-Jewish world anymore. God forbid, you know, another genocide happens to us, which is, you know, what they want, depending on the context um, in the land of Israel. Exactly. What Hamas wants and what all these people want. Um, So at the end of the day, like, yeah, 
they can they can yell until their faces turn blue like we're not going anywhere um, are you freaked out isaac are you a freaked out jew i am definitely a freak out jew i think i'm more of like an angry jew i feel like most of like <laughs> most of my emotion comes out in, in anger um and i think i'm definitely in that stage after after october 7th i think there was like a lot of shock and grief um and freaking out um and now i'm just like constantly mad um and also watching holocaust movies for some reason <laughs> it's it. do you know i have a i have a little uh story i used to i my, my roommate wasn't jewish and he's never seen shinder's list and it was it was on tv or something and he's like oh how you know i was thinking of watching shinder's list and i said oh it's a really good film he's like oh, what do you mean good i'm like well it's well made you know it won oscars it's, i was thinking not the subject matter i was thinking of it as a, as a piece of art it's it really good and when you watch shinder's list i think there's you know there's a very um interesting moment that's used obviously it's all black and white but there's the girl in the red that's supposed to signify you know every victim is is important as every like it's a single victim not just the number six million and i think as jews when we watch that film that's what we look at we look at the persecution we look at the the, the journey um and when i spoke oh to my him, god you just made me realize why she was wearing red i never oh, realized really? that <laughs> that's why she's very red. yeah it's to focus you on like you know, each of one of those numbers is, is a real life and you should follow each story individually as well as the whole big number. But when I spoke to him about um, about the film, we had completely different experiences. His main takeaway from the film wasn't, you know, the, you know how um, obviously he, uh, he saw how horrific it was, and but it wasn't sort of the Jewish suffering what they went through. He was like, I can't believe people stood and did nothing. He watched it from his perspective. So it was very interesting how he watched that film as opposed to me. And he never, he, he's like, I now realize yeah. why you guys are afraid. Because people did nothing. You know the girl that's like, goodbye Jews, goodbye Jews. Mm. You know that girl? That's Greta Thunberg today. <laughs> oh God. Oh my God. Goodbye Jews. <laughs> oh no. What was she yelling the other day? Goodbye, something Jews. Zionism should be destroyed or something. She was yelling it, whatever. All right, I've got my question now. I'm going to try to squeeze it in. This is my official question. Jewish peoplehood is really a very unique and, and it's very strong despite our enemies and the people who want to kill us and anti-Semitism. Is it despite our enemies or is it because of our enemies that we have this peoplehood, this community? Oh, that's a big question. I'm going to I'm going to give it to Isaac while I think about this. I think it's definitely both. Um I think it's very obvious that anti-semitism, you know, <laughs> pushes us together and pushes us towards Jewish community and identity um when there are heights of it. Um which is sad, but I think it's just inevitable and it's like just a pattern in history. Some people say it's divine. I'm not going <laughs> to I'm not going to go into that. Um, but I think there is also obviously the pattern of, you know, Jewish hope and Jewish resilience. Um, and there always being some people who have, you know, kept faith, kept, uh, tradition, um, that allow other people to come back to community, come back to our peoplehood when these things arrive and hopefully you know that maintains uh, and every time it just grows exponentially 
that's kind of my take on it. I, I'm, I'm going to be boring and say both as well, but I think Isaac is right. I think there's something in, inherent. I mean, the Jewish religion or the Jewish people have endured so many years, like millennia, um, of being displaced from their original homeland. I mean, most, um, most groupings around the world, if they leave their, their ancestral homeland, they don't survive much longer. Certainly not like 2,000 years. So I think there is some in, in innate strength that is based on, you know, the Jewish practices, the, 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 the sense of community, you know, even though, um, you know, the Jews were kicked out of the land of Israel, it was very important to maintain, you know, the synagogues, the, the every religion, every festival was all about community being together. That's to, to preserve that. So I think maybe our, our struggles and our sort of our enemies to say that have made it that we keep our foundations very strong. And it's, you know, it's like when we talk about the military, military, um, why is the Israeli military so powerful? Because um, it gets tested all the time. It needs to be on its A-game all the time. And so do, do Jewish people. For me, um, I, I feel like my Jewish identity has been on the back burner since I moved to Los Angeles like eight years ago. And ever since October 7th, we've been making these more Jewish friends. We had a big Jewish... We had a big Hanukkah get-together with other Jewish families, and it was there was so much warmth, and my son is starting to be proud of Jew, Judaism. And I, and I, in a weird way, I attribute this thrust to October 7th. So I, I, I do think that our adversaries have—I think our adversaries propel us into being proud Jews over the years. So thanks, guys. Thanks, Hamas. No, I think, I think that makes sense. I think— um... Yeah, I mean, you're you're a great example of it, that we're a time that we're being tested and our our way of dealing with it is coming closer together with community, strengthening each other, strengthening ourselves, and not necessarily religiously, but certainly in a community in terms of a peoplehood, as you said. So I think um, your actions prove your thesis. I think religiously too, though. If you look at numbers, I think Tablet uh, did this poll I'm going to pull it up because I think it's very interesting. Um, and let me show you. It says, so in April, Tablo did a poll with a bunch of questions about Jewish identity. And most of these grew. Like, how important is being Jewish in your life from April? It varied. It was 69%. In October, it was 88%. Um, how much responsibility do you feel to help Jews in need around the world in April it was 43%, in October it's 84%. Um, and even spirituality and religion, uh, one of the questions was to what extent do you consider yourself a spiritual or religious person? In April it was 25%, in October 35%. Uh, so all of these things grow, obviously it depends on the person. Um, but even I find myself like more connected to you know ritual and tradition uh, and Torah like within these times, which is sad because I feel, you know, I should be always try, trying to do more uh, and trying to, to stay more connected. But I think for sure it's it's a pattern. Um, and I'm sure it's true through history as well. How much have you considered moving to Israel, making Aliyah, doing that whole thing? <laughs> I think about it very, very often. Um, I go back and forth. I don't know. It's difficult. Like, I'm far enough from my family already. I live in New York, and my family's in Panama. And, you know, I fly back, back and forth. Like, I like to say that 
if my family ever makes a jump, which I definitely poke around with them. And I think after October 7th, they're definitely more more open to to it than I'd, I'd go in a heartbeat. I bet your anger would, I bet your anger would dissolve because when I, when you're, I've made this point before, but when you're in Israel, you don't, there's a whole chip on your shoulder of a whole otherness that just dissolves and you can just be a version of yourself that's, that's not, that, that that's not the Jew in the room. And that's like, it's a, a great version. Like, I'd like to see what the I, version of Isaac is in Israel. For sure. Like, I think I've definitely like loved and gained so much from like my activism and stuff like that. But I definitely think of like, what if I never, you know, felt the need to do it, never felt like the outsider. Um, and to a certain degree, I feel like, I don't know what, like in, in 10 years um, or like thinking of my nieces and nephews, I'm like, what if they just like went to like college and like had fun and like studied whatever thing they wanted to study um, instead of, you know, being warriors and like out there fighting BDS and all these things and can just like focus on their life and Jew being Jewish, just being another part of it, their day to day. Like, wouldn't that be amazing? Um, oh, so <laughs> you're making me worried about my own kids. Like I have to send them to, Oh my God! They should go to college in Israel. Like maybe I'll call Jeff. Yes, that. they should go to college in Israel. One thousand percent. People need to stop sending their kids to school here. It's a dumpster fire. Like, why are we doing that? Invest yeah. in schools and in, invest in schools in Israel. Send your kids to school there. Like, we we need to build our own spaces. That's what Zionism is all about. Like these places are yeah. just so deeply, deeply broken. Anything final, Dor? Any final questions? No, no. Um, just uh, uh, thank you, Isaac, and it was great uh, meeting you and chatting with you. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's been awesome. All right. That's uh, episode five in the can, two freaked out Jews plus one. <laughs> thank you guys so much. Okay, Dor, well, how, did that, how did our first guest go for you? I think it was really fun. I think Isaac was uh, super interesting. Good dynamic, I thought. He's... He's smart, isn't he? Mm. Indeed. I'm like I'm really annoyed that he's so young and I'm 11 years older. That's like an annoying thing about him, but otherwise he's just like a, a, um, he's a person I'm glad is out there and he's going to be a name a lot of people know, especially within the Jewish community. And uh, I'm glad he was here and two freaked out Jews with us. Me too. Me too. All right, I got to go light the light the candles, do presents with the kids. Uh, we do eight nights, eight presents. It's been pretty fun. That's a uh, that's a lot for a parent. I mean, can you not just wrap up the same things again and again? No, actually, it's not a lot because all the parent, all the presents came from the grandparents. Like, I don't think I bought them one thing. Oh, okay, fair. And also, Al- also my wife Alex uh, wrapped them all because I'm not a good gift wrapper. I'm shocked to hear that. <laughs> all right, Lila Tove door. Good night, Jeff. My name's Jeff. I'm calling in from California. My name's Dora, and I'm joining you from London. Out of 16 million, we are two. Two freaked out Jews.